Welcome to IA Financial Group's In Your Interest podcast. Ashley here, and this week we're talking about the economic and market outlook for fall 2023. As usual, I'm joined by my colleague Sebastien McMahon, Chief Strategist and Senior Economist. So hi, Sebastien. Hello, Ashley. As always, great to have you for another podcast. Same here. So tell me, Sebastien, what should we be looking out for in the months ahead? I mean, we're kind of at the end of the summer, uh, you know, September is school starting up again. So what are the emerging trends and potential risks for investors? Yeah, you're right. The seasons change, but sometimes the uh, the trends in the economy and the markets uh, change much uh, slower than the seasons. But uh, one story in particular that we're looking at that's been uh, long in the making, but it's let's say it's making its way towards uh, the first page of the business section is the China's uh, story. So, of course, if you're in the markets, maybe you've heard a lot about China this year, but uh, it's uh, the the interest on the China story should ramp up over the next few quarters. We think and maybe the next few months, uh, as uh, the plan for the middle class by President Xi is creating multiple issues there. And the plan for the middle class, it's a good plan, is to give access to real estate to the population. There was this quote, this quote from the president, that saying that uh, houses are for living in and not for speculation. So of course, no one can be against that. But we saw this as the beginning as uh, some issues for the credit cycle in China because the property developers, uh, there was uh, they, they were part of the speculation in housing. Lots of leverage was uh, was blown into uh, these companies. You, maybe you've heard about Evergrande. Recently, you've heard about Country Garden. And these became huge companies. I mean, these are the companies that actually build the properties. And they're starting to, to, to default. They're starting to, uh, to go bankrupt. And we're seeing a risk of contagion within the country. And even now we're hearing that some municipalities, some, some cities are actually at risk of default. So when China came out of COVID after everyone else, they put an end to COVID zero in January of 2023. So later than other countries, many people were expecting, many observers expecting that China would maybe kickstart the economic cycle and that would be a tailwind for the global economy. But now we've seen that it's not been the case. And uh, if China's credit cycle uh, stalls like it seems to be about to do, well, that should weigh on the global economy and markets. So China would be top of mind for things to follow this fall. All right. And are we planning on any more rate hikes from the Bank of Canada? You're doing well in taking the bad news and taking them out <laughs> of the way early here. Yes. So China's economy is a negative thing to watch. And the Bank of Canada, unfortunately, uh, yes, it is likely that we see one, maybe two rate hikes by the end of the year. But it's still very uns- uncertain. Um, but the odds that uh, rates fall in the fall, in the fall 2023 would be pretty much exactly zero, I would say. So rates uh, high, maybe higher because inflation, now it's no longer the main issue like in the sense that inflation is not about to pick up to 6, 7 or 8% again. At least it doesn't seem likely from the data that we have now, but it should rebound to 4 to 4.5% by year end because of some factors like mostly gasoline prices. So we've seen the Bank of Canada hike in June and in July, seeing how they reacted to the the, the data, then uh, it is likely, although not certain, that we could have uh, some more rate hikes by the end of the year. 
inflationary see and which sectors of the economy are currently experiencing price rises and how might this impact investors? Well, again, fuel, so gasoline would yeah. be uh, top of mind. Uh, price of oil around the world is uh, rising. Uh, we've seen some production cuts from Saudi Arabia being uh, kept in place for a few more months. We see that in the U.S. production is uh, is uh, is stalling with uh, little investment in production capacity uh, during the COVID period. Uh, inflation for food, if you go to the supermarket, you'll still see high prices because climate change is pushing the price of food higher. We've seen climate change do a lot of things uh, this summer. We even recorded a podcast on the yeah. uh, emerging uh, impacts of uh, climate change, but uh, at the grocery store, it's still going to be the, the, the it's still going to be the same. And you know, in Canada, we have this uh, public health sector uh, system, rather. And uh, with an aging population, uh, the pressure on the system remains uh, elevated. So inflation in healthcare remains also an issue. So you still have all of these elements uh, taken together. That means that you know, inflation might be hard to tame, uh, but I don't think that we're on the verge of seeing inflation uh, start popping up like it did uh, in 2021 anytime soon. And do you know how investors can take advantage of the current high interest rates and what type of investments are the most attractive right now? Sure. So when you have higher interest rates, the weight to the higher interest rates, as you move from low rates to high rates, of course, it hurts the price of bonds and it can also wreak havoc in more risky assets like the 2022, we had negative returns for equities. It was a lot because of rising interest rates and also dimmer prospects for economic growth. But right now, it's a very good time to invest for the long run on, in fixed income, so in bonds, anything that has an emphasis on capital protection or at least uh, safety within a portfolio when you can get uh, high rates for uh, for long-term government bonds, you can lock these rates in. Uh, you can buy corporate bonds that give you uh, great returns uh, compensating for, for the risks. Uh, so, you know, 10 years ago, rates were so low that the only place to hide was in equities and more importantly, U.S. equities. Now it's the reverse. There are just so many opportunities outside of risky equities that it makes sense, uh, more sense than ever in the last 15 years to be uh, invested in a well-diversified portfolio. And do we have any updates on the provincial and federal budgets? And if so, what are the implications for the economy and investors? Yeah, during the fall, typically we have the updates from uh, provinces and from the federal government. So we, we don't have budgets per se, but although sometimes those become mini budgets when we have exceptional uh, exceptional. Uh, things happening just like during the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic. This time around, I would say that the economy in Canada and the U.S. has been stronger than expected at the beginning of the year, meaning that governments should have had more revenue than expected. Uh, the uh, The emphasis was to balance the budgets. Uh, we hope to see a decisive return to balance budgets. I'm sure every economist that you talk to will say the same thing, especially with unemployment being so low right now. So, But with the potential Shall slow down in 2024, it might be tempting to lend a hand to put some new measures in place. So I would say that uh, the updates this fall could be just that, just an update. Maybe it should be uh, more of a non-event compared to the previous few years. 
Well, thank you very much, Sebastien. You have once again really helpful clarifications on the topics that we covered this episode. And if you would like to learn more about economic news, please subscribe to our podcast that's available on all platforms. And you can also visit the economic news page on ia.ca and follow us on social networks. We'll see you next week. Love this podcast? Want to know more about economic news? Follow our In Your Interests podcast, available on all platforms. Visit the economic news page on ia.ca or follow us on social media. <laughs>